I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one. And with me as always is Tony Kerr. Hey. Tony, we are once again quite literally on the beach. Back on the beach. That's right. Where are we this time? Slightly less strenuous to get here than last week we were on uh, Petit Pool, which uh, is a beach at the bottom of uh, nearly 400 steps. This time, we're about 10 yards from the car park. Yeah, a bit more straightforward, hey? Yeah, we're in the, the sort of northeast tip of the island. Well, I said the island of Guernsey, if you hadn't listened to this before. Uh, yeah, looking out over uh, towards some of the other islands, Herm, Jetu, Sark in the distance. It's a beautiful view, actually, isn't it? We can see, Bordeaux. can see most of the other channel islands. Yeah, as you say, we're here at Bordeaux, not in France, but Bordeaux in Guernsey. And yeah, we can see, well, how many is that? Four islands? I can see Herm, Jetu... Sark and Jersey away in yeah. the distance behind there. No one wants to see Jersey, so luckily we can only see a little bit of it. Alderney's over the other way somewhere, but I can't see that at the moment. But yeah, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful spot, beautiful day here. A few clouds around, but a bit of a uh, bit of blue sky, kind of a duck egg blue sky peeking through. I'm trying to paint a picture here, Tone. You were saying last time that we should we should just completely rebrand this as just the beach cricket pod. I think so. I think it's the, the natural direction that, that we're going in at the moment. You certainly seem much more enthusiastic about the idea of doing these <laughs> since we started doing them on the beach. You, well, you, think we you actually came like... to me and said, shall we do a podcast this weekend? Yeah, I mean, well, when you think back to doing them in the um, yeah in my spare bedroom slash cupboard with like, yeah, boxer shorts and stuff strewn all over the place, sweating in the, in the heat of it, uh, this is just much more palatable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, it's just a be- perfect studio, really, all around. I should say, and, and apologies to regular listeners who have, have heard me say this several times, but for anyone sort of wondering, you know, where the social distancing is here, we are, of course, as, we, as we've made very clear, in Guernsey and the Channel Islands, which is, to all intents and purposes, uh, COVID-free at the moment. What are we closing in on 100 days with no new case? The last new case was in April. Um, so we're in an incredibly fortunate situation here with life back to normal, no requirement for social distancing at all, um, which is why we're able to get together and do these. Hopefully listeners are enjoying that and don't feel that we're sort of rubbing it in. <laughs> I know that uh, London correspondent Gordon McRae uh, texted us after listening to the last show and just said doing it on Petit Poor was a bit on the nose. <laughs> I think it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for yeah. him uh, as a Guernsey boy in London at the moment. Yeah, although I guess, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're trying not to become too complacent here in our, our bubble. And it is a question, isn't it? It, it presumably can't last forever. Something's going to have to change because we're going to have to open the borders at some point. So it's becoming a bit of a, um, a contentious issue trying to trying to work that out. But certainly enjoying it while it lasts. I guess with things getting tricky again, it might be an understatement in the UK. It's just becoming ever more complicated. Yeah, 
yeah, glad that we're not making the decisions. No, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I've heard there's been some noises of you know people saying that that's what England should do should just bubble and well, that's probably what they should have done sort of five months ago, really. But uh, but yeah, who knows? What, what closed the borders? Yeah. And- yeah, it's a it's a very difficult situation for lots of reasons. I suppose, yeah. I'd say hopefully, hopefully this is this. Hopefully, we're not sort of rubbing this in for listeners. But you know, what I, I hope that it's that Guernsey can kind of offer the UK rays of hope, specifically in the sense that, like, there's a lot of chat now about you know the new normal and whether things will ever fully go back to normal. Even when the virus is gone, will people's confidence about gatherings and things have gone? And what I would say is that in the midst of lockdown here, that was being talked about. But it's really quite remarkable how quickly things snap back to normal. Like the first couple of days, I think people were a bit like, oh, this is weird, you know, being close together or going into shops and restaurants with no social distancing. But pretty much immediately, everyone got over that, went back to normal and... I've heard a few people say to me recently, oh, it feels like a very long time ago. Well, yeah, it really now. does. I mean, it feels like a distant memory. But yeah, you're right. Things really, certainly on the surface here in the island, do not seem any different to how they were last summer. Yeah. Which, you know, our lockdown was a few months. The one in the UK and elsewhere might be much longer than that. So maybe it'll be different. But I, I do think if people are desperate for a return to normality, I think that can potentially offer a ray of hope that it, it, it will happen. Um, and it will probably happen quite quickly once things are under control. I do think as well, oh yeah, we've probably talked about some cricket at some yeah. point. I, I do think as well, there's an element like people, like there's definitely some, there were some positives, that, some positive kind of things that we can take from, I think, the experience of, 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 of yeah, maybe like taking the foot off the gas slightly and not, you know, all, all the stuff that, 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 that people talked about positively from, from the lockdown thing, which, are, you know, obviously you know, is probably outweighed by the negatives, but um but yeah, when when people sort of said, well, this is, you know, it'll never be the same. This people won't go back to where what they were doing before. But really, people just do revert to the things that are just the easiest or that appeal to them or that they want to do, don't they? And that is drive a car or mm. whatever. I know, you know, there probably there's there's things that we could do to move in the right direction on certain issues and and maybe like well, we're going massively off piece here. <laughs> you know, like climate change, you know, maybe that there might be some kind of, what's the word, like takeaway from the whole pandemic experience in mm. terms of like, you know, how you tackle big issues, which you could argue lots of countries haven't done very well anyway. But yeah, but people just do just kind of revert to what they, they like doing, so. Yeah, in some ways, like that's why society is the way it is. Exactly, Because yeah. people are lazy and and sociable and you know and, and all those things that 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 mean yeah that it, it really has gone back to normal here incredibly quickly so yes we're sort of broadcasting in a way from the other side of the pandemic so hopefully that can offer some encouragement um to anyone who is uh, finding things tough at the moment especially with the way things have developed in the last week or so um, and our thoughts, yeah, very much with people who are in a much more difficult situation around the world. Well, anyway, as you say, Tim, we should probably talk about some cricket. We've got lots to discuss today because uh, there's a hell of a lot of cricket going on. It's really coming thick and fast, isn't it? We need to talk about the end of England series with the West Indies and look ahead to the series with Pakistan as well. There's some ODIs too, ODI series against Ireland. Have you seen any of those, Tim? So, yeah, I watched a bit of uh, yesterday's um, ODI kind of in and around the FA Cup final. And, yeah, saw a bit of the other one as well. In and around. <laughs> Is that the right expression? <laughs> um, in, around, over, alongside. Yeah, as you say, it's, it's actually absurd how much cricket there is kind of going on now. Um, like, yeah, England, you know, it's, it's slightly bonkers how quickly they just reverted to to playing these ODIs. And obviously, like, there's a you know, fairly separate group of players and... 
you know they were they were having practice matches weren't they during the tests um over the last couple of weeks but you know that county cricket as well the bob willis trophy started up hasn't it so it's all go yeah i enjoyed those couple of videos i would say you know we talked about how the test matches felt much more normal than i was expecting them to um the odis to me did feel a little bit more flat it may just be because well, I was going to say because particularly the first game felt flat because it wasn't a very good game, was it? It was very one-sided. Second game, when it got, you know, when it got interesting at the end when England were losing wickets, um, felt more exciting. But uh, you know, they did to me. They felt a bit more like a warm-up or a practice match, which is kind of what I thought the tests would feel like. But uh, but nice to see, uh, nice to see David Willey taking some wickets. He got five wickets in that first game, didn't he? And obviously, you know, that's a good story because he was. Um, uh, a, a very late um, well, it was a very kind of last minute exclusion from England's World Cup squad last year he was the one to make way when Joffre Archer came in which was um, you know obviously incredibly disappointing for him having been a, a fairly key part of the squad for four years before that so he probably thought his England career was over so nice for him to come back and have that opportunity and, and get some wickets but anyway that's enough on the ODIs let's talk about the Test Cricket, because England's Test Series with the West Indies has come to an end. After a bad start, when they lost the first Test in Southampton, England will be very pleased and perhaps relieved uh, that they managed to turn things around, winning both games at Old Trafford, uh, including the decider to take the series 2-1. West Indies again won the toss and again Jason Holder put England into bat, which was a curious decision England had a tricky start, but uh, an, an excellent partnership uh, on the first evening between Ollie Pope, who made 91, and Joss Butler, 67. Got them up to 369 all out. Um, that wasn't the whole story. There was a collapse in there as well on the second morning. But then Stuart Broad, with a remarkable 62 of 45 balls, a quite uncharacteristically uh, good innings from Stuart Broad uh, meant that they got a pretty decent total it looked even more decent when West Indies were bowled out for 197 with Broad taking 6 for 31 they avoided the follow on but they were a long way behind England motored along to 226 for 2 declared in their second innings I say motored along it was pretty slow progress from Burns and Sibley but then Root came in and hit 68 from 56 balls to set West Indies uh, an impossible target uh, and they were skittled out really uh, in the second innings for 129 there was an entire day lost to rain in there so there was a question about maybe they could survive on the final day there was an opportunity for them to get away with the draw but it wasn't to be um, Broad with more wickets 4 for 36 and Chris Wokes 5 for 50 um, gave England the victory by 269 runs so not really a very close game in the end and after two very good test matches uh, this one wasn't so much. It wasn't as competitive, but a competitive series overall. Now, after England lost that first test in Southampton, I was wavering. I had predicted England to win 2-1. I changed my prediction to West Indies to win 2-1. Um, you stuck to your guns. You said that you know that England would turn things around. You were adamant that they were going to turn the ship around and win the series 2-1. So I imagine you're probably feeling pretty pleased with yourself. Yeah. Well, you flip-flopped around like some sort of like wet fish in a boat, <laughs> if that's the right expression. More flip-flops and Bournemouth Beach. Exactly. Um, no, I mean, yeah, it sort of petered out a bit for the West Indies, didn't it? Uh, after, as you say, after such a bright start. Um, but 
I don't know whether it was based on a huge amount of knowledge or intuition. Um, but yeah, you just felt like England were were going to be the stronger the stronger side going into the series, and and West Indies yeah didn't quite have enough with the bat as uh, as it kind of looked on paper. No one, no one no one really put their hand up in a way that sort of elevated them beyond perhaps what we thought they were um, sort of going into the series, which is which is probably a bit of a shame. Yeah, but then they were really good in the first game, weren't they? And, you know, perhaps t- took a few people by surprise there. I mean, what do you think? Did it, you kind of touched on it there, but how do you explain this? Like, to, to, to what extent do we just need to give England credit for this turnaround? Or, or is it more that West Indies kind of ran out of steam? If you're writing a undergraduate essay about this yeah, what, right. which, to what extent bit of both is the classic yeah <laughs> bit of both uh look I don't, there's no shame um you know there's no shame in, in the west indies it, yeah in the way things panned out obviously like i'm sure they'll be disappointed not to have kind of built on that that bright start but when you when you know we looked at england's bowling lineup um ahead of the series and it, it looked you know ridiculously strong and it yeah too much for too much for uh, the West Indies and, and you know credit to England and particularly you know we spoke about obviously you know Stuart Broad now is sort of mad at the moment having been obviously left out in that first test and and, and came back and you know it, it, it was all about him really yeah well we'll come on to Broad and his uh, his exploits and his 500 wickets and all that I mean yeah he's, as you say I think in the end their bowling attack too strong and that you know we, we knew before the series they were they're kind of spoiled for choice in the bowling I think they ended up sort of fumbling their way towards their best attack in the end although it's not an attack they can really play all the time because they, they played four frontline fast bowlers because Stokes was injured they left out a batsman I mean that's not really a, a plausible option most of the time is it but it did mean they can include Wokes and Archer as well as Broad and Anderson um, you know it is it's a nice problem to have but it is a problem to work out what that best attack is going forward but it's probably going to be the case that it will be depending on the pitch and the conditions and form and fitness and all that and it they've just got a lot of options now yeah, which is said, exciting yeah. as an England fan as we said at the top as well you know who knows what the calendar is going to look like over the next kind of 12 to 18 months but but certainly in the short term obviously they've got another batch of <laughs> test matches coming thick and fast so it's a it's a good problem to have going into those good to be able to to rotate I mean as for West Indies you know we said last time I think one of their problems here is they just although they have got a really exciting first choice 11 they just don't have the depth especially in well I was going to say especially in the bowling but actually in the batting as well in the sense that they they perhaps don't even have the depth for first choice six in the batting but but in the bowling they've got that incredibly strong and exciting first choice attack but beyond that you feel they just didn't necessarily have in the way that England have they didn't have those guys to to bring in to rotate and you know Shannon Gabriel was just absolutely knackered playing all three tests in a couple of weeks I just think that was too much for him and then yeah you look at the batting and it is it is just a little bit lightweight isn't it and they know that you can see they know that because Jason Holder won the toss twice and both times um, put England in because I think he just didn't trust his batsman not because that was the best thing to do based on the conditions and it, it was the wrong decision but he just yeah didn't have faith in his batsmen to take advantage um i mean they've got a few batsmen with a lot of talent haven't they um 
but who are inexperienced and only really showing glimpses at the moment. You know, your, your Blackwoods and your John Campbells. I mean, John Campbell's never going to get a 50. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> I think in this series and the one in the Caribbean last year, he's got to sort of 25 or 30 almost every time he's that gone looks in. great doing looks it. absolutely brilliant and has never got a 50. Um, but then they've also got a handful of guys who have made a mark in test cricket, but just for whatever reason are lacking a bit of form and confidence at the moment you know um brathwaite and hope and shane darich i mean shane darich took quite a lot of stick in this test i felt a bit bad for him um you know he ended up batting at eight batting below holder and then because of night and watchman he ended up coming in at number nine and you know his confidence looked a bit shot didn't it it was really struggling against the short ball i think he's going to be a little bit traumatized by that barrage he got from joffer archer but it's surprising in a way because he's actually been one of their most prolific batsmen over the last few years i think between tours of england so in, in the three years from the end of the last tour to the beginning of this one he averaged 36 which doesn't sound amazing but for a wicketkeeper batsman and for the west indies i mean that's actually one of the best averages for any west indian batsman in that period scored 100 against england in the caribbean last year so he, he obviously finds it difficult batting in england but as as do a lot of his teammates but in fairness most international batsmen do find it difficult in England. We've even seen Virat Kohli, Steve Smith, not last time, but the time before, have their problems. Yeah, it is very difficult to bat in England. So to some extent, you can have some sympathy. And also before the series, we were saying, do we need to be giving out free passes on this with people, you know, with players not having played any cricket at all, any actual cricket, you know, and spent any time in the middle for months? So, yeah, is it perhaps, are we getting too kind of bogged down in the weeds talking about Shane Darich's technique against the short <laughs> ball, or what do you think? Uh, yeah, I know, I think so for sure. I mean, you know, and as we said, they're coming up against some of the best exponents of, of, of English conditions, of bowling in English conditions that there ever have been. So, uh, it, it, I don't know, I do think it's, it's tough to be too harsh on them. Clearly, there are, there are, there are issues, though, that, that existed before they came to England for this tour and... and they leave with as well and as you say like someone like you know hope is is massively under under delivering but yeah no, i agree I, I i don't think i i don't think it should be too damning off the back of this series i think the fact I, you know i thought it was gonna be three nil going into it the fact that we did get for the most part a competitive series yeah it was a, yeah it sort of uh, fell away at the end for west indies but you know i, I think that's a pretty decent return yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to give it some context. You know, that, although it really wasn't a long time ago, that first test win feels a little bit of a long time ago because of the way the next two panned out. But it's, but you know, but they did still win a game here, which in the context of the last 20 years of West Indies tours is an achievement. I mean, that might sound a little bit kind of patronising, but it is. And they, they won a test last time as well. It's now two series in England in a row where it's gone to a decider. Not that many teams do that. And compared to how they performed over the preceding you know 17 years they hadn't won a test in england before 2017 since 2000 so you know i do think it's encouraging there's definitely some progress being made and that has to be exciting for world cricket that they are becoming a competitive team a team that can win test matches in england they've obviously got a lot to do elsewhere they do seem to have more success against england than most teams but there's definitely that they're also the other aspects of it as well is that they are an exciting team to watch they are they're kind of a box office team with that bowling attack and people like Blackwood and Campbell you know they're the sort of cliche of you know clearing the bars well that wasn't really an issue in this (laughs) 
in this environment, but it is like appointment viewing when when John Campbell comes in. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. And and you know, we we spoke about it ahead of the series. You know, clearly the circumstances of it, you know, not massively conducive to to for West Indies to put out their their best lineup. And you know, they obviously left a few players back in the Caribbean. Yeah, I think we should just enjoy it and 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 kind of move on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, there, there, you know, there's been a lot of. Chat. You just want to go for a swim, don't you? There's been a lot of well, there's been a fair amount of chat, hasn't there, this week about the kind of the relative sort of well, relative the massive kind of mismatch in resource between you know between crickets kind of nations now, and obviously England are just a cricket kind of juggernaut, uh, and you know that that financially, yeah, financially, yeah, resource wise in terms of the player development, you know, the fact that yeah, at the same time as the Test match, we've you know got a whole another batch of players who are who are world class in their own right preparing for an ODI series against Ireland who themselves have have been kind of massively or, or yeah somewhat screwed over haven't they in the last or be very unlucky in, in many respects in the last few years so I, I, yeah you kind of can't be too surprised when 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 an England beats West Indies in, in Ireland yeah it's it's not a fair fight really no. is it and yeah there's an element of like you know, England kind of high-fiving and, well, they're not high-fiving, are they? But, but, you know, sort of metaphorically, everyone slapping each other on the back for that win. It's like, well, yeah, that's sort of the bare minimum, isn't it, when you consider the resources. But, that I mean, that's a, a wider thing across sport, isn't it? I mean, yeah. like Team GB winning all those gold medals in the last few Olympics. The whole country goes absolutely bananas about that. But really, you know, when a British athlete when a British canoeer defeats, like the, I don't know, like well, I yeah, can't like think of the country, Slovakian, like yeah, the Slovakian opponent. It's like, well, yeah, you've talked about it before. It's kind of like financial doping. Like they just have such an advantage coming into it. It's not really fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you. I don't know what you do about that. I don't know what the figures are, but I wouldn't be surprised if like GB modern pentathlon is better funded than West Indies cricket. Probably, probably is. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to be probably a little bit smug when definitely and I, i'm guilty of that like i you know I, some of my favorite ever memories of watching sport are like london 2012 but again you consider the amount of money that was put into that like of course of course they won all those medals it, it would have been pretty scandalous if they hadn't in a sense i think you mentioned canoeing there's like the story that came out a year or two ago about the culture of fear within British canoeing <laughs> is just like one of the most absurd, I've probably mentioned this on the pod already, but one of the most absurd kind of concepts, I think, is we've really, it's, that's the, like British sport jumping the shark. Yeah, for sure. Kind of through the looking glass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. Well, so actually on this, it, a lot of people have, have made the point and it's a point that really needs to be made and it's one that I want to make as well that, you know, in a sense, as I say, getting bogged down in talking about what happened on the field is sort of missing the point. And we just need to really be incredibly grateful to West Indies that they came, like to the the administrators and the, the backroom people who like made it happen. And then to the players for volunteering to come and, and putting themselves in that difficult situation and, and bubbling for so long. You know, it's a tough thing to do and to actually just come over and play and you know all right yeah they're getting paid and whatever not as much as England are getting paid but but you know we just need to be grateful to all concerned that they came and played but yeah and, and England England cricket the ECB have said that we're so grateful to West Indies that you came and played 
but there the question is will that gratitude extend to actually doing anything like giving them some money and you've seen jason holder i don't know if you saw his quote coming out and saying sort of saying like yeah all right that's nice but like maybe why why don't you come and now play a series in the caribbean later this year uh in exchange because he's saying you know an england tour is really the only way that the Westernies make money now they won't make as much it's not as big a deal for the economy if there aren't british tourists coming as well which there presumably wouldn't be or certainly not in those kind of numbers but for tv rights and all of that it's a it, you know it's a huge thing when england goes to the caribbean in a way that it isn't when new zealand goes to the caribbean so jason holder's like yeah can we you know maybe you could come over and play another series and the ecb at the moment are being very silent on that point now it's obviously not as straightforward as there's lots of other considerations but yeah. it is in a way i can see why it must be it's slightly galling to hear people from the ecb you know just saying thank you so much for coming when actually they're not really getting a lot in return for that other than those words yeah no i completely agree and, and you know hopefully if, yeah, if there's one thing that the, the kind of whole situation can do is that is to make people think a little bit Best selfishly, because yeah, certainly, you know, over the last few years and a decade or whatever, you know, the 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 way that the the pie international cricket's pie is is divided up is just it's not in the spirit of, of of you know improving the world game, is it? So you know, I completely agree that 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 those at the ECB with the with the power to make that stuff happen should be looking pretty closely at it and and, and doing something more constructive. Yeah. Well, the weird thing as well is that. It, it ought to actually be in their self-interest too like it, it it's good for english cricket if west indies cricket is strong and sri lankan cricket is strong and pakistan cricket is strong etc you know surely it's much better for england to have competitive opponents that it's much more of a draw west indies tour of england if you know it's going to be a really exciting series like surely that's better for selling tickets and TV rights and sponsorship and all of that than if it's going to be hugely one-sided. So arguably they're thinking too short-term in not yeah. giving you know West Indies and and Co a bigger share of the pie to help develop the game. You know maybe they're thinking well international cricket has no future but even then you want players developing in other parts of the world don't you if you want franchise leagues. Well that's and stuff it yeah I do you do wonder whether how much of uh, you know all of this is kind of uh, yeah like test cricket's not going to go anywhere and the ashes is always going to be huge and england would always play test cricket but you wonder whether the, you know these nations are just kind of gearing themselves towards a big to you know capitalizing on a domestic franchise tournament in a way that would probably bring in more money anyway so yeah i don't know we'll see <laughs> let's 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 just uh, move on and play some more boba. We'll talk about broad in a second, but just one one very final thing on West Indies because we haven't talked about Raheem Cornwall. <laughs> very uh, very watchable aspect of this test was the introduction of Cornwall. What did you make of of his involvement? For anyone who who didn't see the the game, just sort of um, noteworthy inclusion. Um, as he's quite a quite a voluminous fellow. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he's big chap, isn't he? Yeah, big uh, unit. I mean, yeah, he's just an instant kind of instant. You know, he has been he's been on the radar for a while, hasn't he? But uh, yeah, just a, a, a cult hero, you know, in the making. It's so iconic, like that that image of him with the two caps on, standing at slip. It's quite a picture. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, he didn't take any wickets, did he? <laughs> did he finish with no wickets for? Yeah, none for 164 from 46 overs. Yeah, but I mean, hey. Early days. 
I, I, I like the way he bowls. I like the way he kind of just sort of hustles in, and he's got a nice action. Well, he doesn't cool. hustle in at all. He just like strolls in well, and turns yeah, his arm over. Hustling is not the right word, but he kind of just <laughs> yeah, he sort of wanders up. But he's got yeah, he's got quite a fast arm. Yeah, uh, and he yeah gets it down quite nicely. And there must be something to him as well. But like, I felt a bit bad for him that you know a lot of. Uh, English pundits, etc., were just kind of instantly writing him off. Writing him off. I mean, as you say, he did not have a blinder, but he's got an incredible bowling average in first-class cricket. He took seven wickets on Test debut, albeit against Afghanistan. But then they're very good players of spin. You know, he must have a bit about him. A Test match in England on a pitch that didn't really do very much. Probably not the best place to make his debut. But I, I just thought it was great. I mean, I hope it doesn't sound kind of. Like you know, I'm, I'm not at all uh, making fun of him or patron- being patronising, whatever. I just think it's it's something I really love about cricket that it can accommodate all these different body shapes. Like you've got Raheem Cornwall, James Taylor, and Mohammed Irfan all playing the same sport at elite level, and I love that. And that's not necessarily something you see. Certainly not in all sports. Can't be in many sports. You know, basketball is obviously a, a an obvious example, but even well, and rugby, but even like football and tennis, you know, they they like tennis is tends to tends towards players who are tall uh, and, and can do that serve. That there are exceptions, but you're not going to get someone like Raheem Cornwall playing tennis, yeah, or yeah. football at the elite level, are you? And you know, I could, maybe if you're not a cricket fan, you turn it on and see Raheem Cornwall and you think this is ridiculous that someone like that, you know, is playing professional sport. But I, I think that's great. No, I agree, and and you know, as you say, like his his ability, he's proved his ability uh, to a certain level, hasn't he already? So yeah, you know, good for him. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, just turning to England then. I mean, they, they as we say, they, they pulled it off. Um, turn things around after a, a a bad start to the series. How impressive did you think they were in the end? Yeah, reasonably. No complaints. Certainly, um, you know what well, it wasn't wasn't perfect as a series, was it? Uh, but you know, we saw some things that will that will give you know people a bit of confidence going forward. You know, certainly in the batting, you know Burns and Sibley look that kind of bedded into that team now uh what it simply made uh made a century didn't he yeah there are some other question marks there but you know that's certainly a positive um butler you know making a few runs in a, in a difficult situation is a positive and, and he's probably bought himself a bit more time uh not that i thought necessarily we should be too judgmental uh, going into it, you know about him specifically, but you know that that was reasonably impressive. And and the you know, as we said before, the bowling lineup, uh, 
you know, not everyone you know, you know played perhaps to their full potential uh, and, and overshadowed in a good way by Broad in the end. So yeah, no, I think yeah, pick up, move on, <laughs> get the Wababer out, move on. Yeah, we're just quickly on Butler. That in a way that what was frustrating, although it was nice to see him score some runs. What was frustrating about that it was kind of exactly the wrong kind of score. If he'd got thirty or forty, that probably wouldn't have been enough. If he got a hundred, a big hundred, you know, it'd be like, well, yeah, he's he's definitely he's locked his place down. But with sixty odd, it's like, yeah, you can't drop him now. But actually, it's not really enough to prove anything. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, the, the fact that this seen. Pakistan series is coming straight off, you know, off the back of it, you know, perhaps we'll know a little bit more in, in two weeks' time when it's been like six <laughs> tests and four more ODIs. Yeah. Um, well, we need to talk about Broad then. It's a remarkable couple of tests for him. As I said, he scored some runs as well. Don't forget. Um, that was actually England's third fastest 50 in Test cricket, which is quite bonkers, really, when you think about it. Um, he bowled 60 overs in this series and took 16 wickets, an average of 10. And in the process, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, um, went past the 500 mark in Test cricket, all of which makes the fact that he was left out for the first game look like a slightly strange decision. And you have to wonder who would have made that decision. You know, you have to wonder what kind of absolute... Fucking moron would have wanted that to be the decision that they made. Well, you say that, I say it's good man management, isn't it? Because you know, maybe he wouldn't have taken all those wickets had he played in the first test. He might have been a bit, you know, a bit complacent. So, you know, definitely got the best out of him in the end. <laughs> well done. So, yeah, yeah, cheers. <laughs> so, what you're saying is it's because of you that he took all those wickets. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Look. Yeah. It, 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 he bowled magnificently, didn't he? And he, he, it was a, a pretty impressive, to say the least, response to to being left out. You know, it's it's easy for us. We talk flippantly, don't we, about players coming in, going out, being dropped, being cancelled, or whatever. Um, it, it must have been a really tough thing to have to sit there and and watch. Having been, as we as we said earlier in the series, you know, you know, he he's been. He's been invited to all the parties for for how many years, and suddenly, you know, he was said, you know, not today, Stuart, uh, not tonight, Stuart. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a real, um, you know, he would already already achieved a huge amount, yeah, as a cricketer and as a person, but he's gone in, up in my estimation for sure off the back of this. I think some people got. I think that's what some people got annoyed with him for with those comments that he made after the first game that they that they didn't like the sense of entitlement that he appeared to have when he said something like you know I felt that shirt was mine now I don't have a problem with that but but just you saying yeah that it must have been tough for him having been a part of the team for so long well some people would say well yeah but that's it's not he doesn't own the spot and you know there has been a feeling at times that it can be harder to get out of the England team than into it do you know what I mean so but then, but then, to, you know, obviously it was the perfect riposte to come back and take 16 wickets in two tests. Uh, yeah, hugely impressive. Well, I mean, the fact that he's gone to 500 test wickets as well is is clearly an immense achievement and obviously joins a very small club. You know, clearly for him and Anderson, you know, they've, they've had opportunities both through by being England players in this era and, you know, through yeah, the, the longevity to get to that mark. You know, I don't think it's that you you might not put both in the top seven fast bowlers of all time top seven yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> no, not that well, you might you, they might not be far off for some others i don't know um the debate to be had there but but yeah you can't argue with the numbers for sure 
It's the next tea room episode, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Top seven fast bowlers. Um, yes. Well, I've got a lot to say about this. Very quickly, just thinking about the entitlement question. Uh, yeah, I really don't have a problem with, with Broad saying that because I can understand why he felt that way because he'd been the leading wicket taker in the last couple of series. He was probably bowling as well as he ever had. So that's much more reasonable to me. It, where I did get annoyed was kind of was when Johnny Bairstow was left out and was like utterly baffled and angry that he because he felt entitled to the show when he'd actually not been performing for a long time. Anyway, yes, on the 500 wickets point, you know, I, well, I was going to ask, you know, I, I know I always say this, but do you, do you feel it was slightly overdone, the discussion of it, in that it was like, it's the thing that people were talking about rather than England winning the, the game? I mean, did yeah, were you excited when he, did he punch the air when he got Not to really, the mark? Not really, no, I mean, it, yeah. Are we a bit too obsessed with those kind of stats? Again, I think, I think it's, um, you know, enjoy it and move on, isn't it? That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give it a bit of time. And it's a good opportunity to, it, obviously it's a fitting opportunity to, to, to kind of place Broad in the, you know, hmm. in the, in the list in the of, of all time greats. But yeah, I agree. I, it's it's a somewhat meaningless, you know, arbitrary sort of mm. figure to get to, isn't it? Like, why is that any more significant than? But then, yeah. but then that is what that's what cricket is all about to some extent. Like, why is getting to a hundred better than getting to ninety nine? Well, not just better, but yeah. Well, why is getting out on ninety nine absolutely devastating? Yeah, exactly. Getting out on a hundred, you walk off relatively pleased. And I, I I sort of go back and forth on this because it does frustrate me that that's what the chat is. England winning the game is of much less significance seemingly than Broad getting to 500 wickets but on the other hand in 15 years time 20 years time we won't remember what happened in this game yeah everyone will forget every match <laughs> like pretty much every test match you know that has ever happened with only a few exceptions whereas you do know the stats you know you know that Stuart Broad is in that 500 club that you know so but then sort of realising that that's the case makes me wonder whether this is all just all pointless it's a pointless exercise like why are we bothering if it's all just a, a kind of an, an exercise, an exercise in, yeah numbers <laughs> I, no i agree well it's yeah like i do agree on that glorified there's, pokemon there's an element of that and, and you know people where well, you know there was a lot of chat with uh, you know, about roach getting to 200 and and you know people will say about a player will come in or whatever and then they'll be like well yeah he's gonna go on and get 300 test wickets or yeah. 400 whatever and now people are saying, well, why, yeah, Broad, why does he, you know, he should be looking to go on and get 600, 700, whatever. Yeah, it does feel at times where you're, it's just an exercise in, in trying to measure up to, to numbers that, that don't really exist or matter. <laughs> don't really mean anything in the end. I mean, the Roach thing was interesting only in that I didn't realise that no West Indies bowler had got to 200 wickets since Curtly Ambrose in 1995, was it? I think it was 25 years since the last one. I mean, that's... I mean, that, yeah, that is significant. That is quite remarkable because 200, while it's an impressive achievement, it you know is is a sort of relatively gettable number, isn't it? And 500 is obviously a very big number, <laughs> and it is a number that not many have got to. And you know, it was a huge deal when Walsh became the first one, and because he was the that was the world record at the time. And it's only Walsh, McGrath, Anderson, and Broad that have done it amongst fast bowlers. Um, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not trying to play it down at all. It just, but to me, it's like it's no more than a kind of uh, interesting side note rather than the main story of the game. Um, but And as you say, I, I just don't know that it's the right measure or like what does it really mean in the sense that 
and this is not to denigrate his achievements at all, but it's just undeniably true that the reason Broad has been able to get to 500 is because he plays for England in this era. He's played 140 plus test matches. Had he played 30 years ago, or if he was playing for New Zealand or West Indies or Sri Lanka now, he would get nowhere near that many test matches and would therefore get nowhere near 500 wickets. So sort of number of wickets isn't really the best measure of greatness, is it? Now, you can say there's greatness in the fact that he has played that many games because he's not had he's been consistently good enough throughout that time to keep his place in the team for that long the fact that he's still going still got the hunger the desire at age 34 is probably bowling as well as he ever has that is really extraordinary but you know he's now got roughly twice as many wickets as Michael Holding and Joel Garner or put it another way he's got as many wickets as as they got collectively um, is he twice as good a bowler as either of those? So, yeah, but as, as you say, it's, I suppose maybe the reason people are talking about it so much is because it does just give an opportunity to reflect on Broad, the cricketer, and his career. Yeah, that's the thing. You you wouldn't put Broad you know, in the, I don't know, well, but yeah, we'll save it for the team. In the top seven. <laughs> you, you wouldn't, but he's obviously, you know, the fact that he's been around for for such a long time now played so many tests taken so many wickets been a you know a character in that England team for sure he will go down as a, a kind of titan of England cricket definitely and whilst whilst yeah whilst his numbers overall might not be that impressive in terms of kind of average and, and you know comparatively strike weight yeah. with you know with some of the the best in the business he still has had well, he's had some unbelievable spells, hasn't he? And you know, throughout his career, you know, notably against Australia, those moments of inspiration as well, I think, elevate him somewhat as well. Yeah, I agree with that. In some respects, he might be remembered longer or even more fondly than Anderson because Anderson has been incredibly consistent all the way through, but hasn't maybe had well, certainly hasn't had as many moments as broad in terms of match-winning, series-winning spells those magic afternoons as you say against Australia several times he's won Ashes series in a spell um, he's done it famously in South Africa and you know it's it happens a lot doesn't it well in fact there's a really good uh, good article about his stats on Crick Info there's lots of good little nuggets in there but... <laughs> there's lots of good articles on Crick Info <laughs> there's lots of good nuggets in there but one that really leapt out at me yeah he got he took 6 for 31 in the first innings of this test and that's the fourth time that he's taken six wickets or more for less than 35 runs. Shane Warne, the only other bowler to have done that in this time. So it does, yeah, it does illustrate that he's he has a real habit of just destroying teams. When he's on, he's on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, you know, so maybe, maybe it is good that we've had this chat because another thing that I didn't realise about Broad, it, it kind of maybe goes to show you that he actually wasn't that good at the start of his career. He he wasn't that effective at the start of his career. I mean, he was fine, but he, he well, wasn't... We, we moaned, well, moaned... We, we <laughs> <laughs> moaned about him for years for bowling too short. Yeah. And he, he was he used to bowl back of a length just constantly and, yeah, not wasn't troubling anything. And, uh, yeah, and you're about to give us the stat, I'm sure. Well, the stat is that, like, his average, his bowling average is just coming down and down and down. The curve is going down and that... So for he, he's played, as I say, 140 or so tests. The first 50 tests, his bowling average was 32... Um, it's now 28. So his average since those first 50 tests in 90 plus tests is 25. So actually, had those first 50 tests, obviously this doesn't make sense because presumably 
he's got better with the experience and stuff. But if had those first 50 tests not happened and he just came in now, you'd be looking at a guy who'd played 90 tests with an average of 25. And then we maybe would be talking about one of the truly great bowlers, at least of this era. So it's, it, it is noteworthy. Especially that what that's we're the way is, it's going, the direction of travel. He's getting better at age 34. What we're saying is it's a huge achievement to get the 500 wickets. He's definitely one of the best seven of all time. <laughs> that's exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly that's what, what we set out at the start, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, um, moving on then, um, we'll, we'll wrap up in a bit. But um, just, just to finish then on this series, how, how, do you, how do you feel about it overall? It, 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 we were expecting quite a weird series. Did it feel that weird? I mean, how, how, did you, how do you feel, Tone, about biosecure cricket having now seen a, a whole series of it? No, no. Does it work? Does it work? Well, it does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the background, isn't there? I mean, in terms of how enjoyable the series was and 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 what it brought to to cricket fans, I think yeah, that's been that's been a, a, a huge success, hasn't it? Uh, and he's leaning back now. You look very, very relaxed. Yeah, there. <laughs> just like really getting into this. Um, no, it's been a huge success. And bar the little blip with with Archer and a sort of minor bit of controversy, um, I don't know. It seems to have gone pretty well. Well, I completely agree. It's gone so much better than you know, than I think anyone could have imagined. Certainly in April or May, the idea that we would have played three tests so you know they'd all gone so smoothly just seemed absurd. The only thing I would say is, you know, I, I don't think anyone involved is getting complacent, but you just wonder whether people now are just think, ah, oh, biosecure cricket, easy, in, in the sense that it's not guaranteed to, to keep being so smooth. You know, yeah. what, what happens if there's a positive test at some point? It's still a very fragile situation. So, yeah, it's sort of worth remembering uh, uh, that and just enjoying what we've got while we've got it, because it may not last forever. Exactly. And... and- the way the situation in England has changed, it just in the time of the Test series as well, it, it's a, it's a different picture, isn't it, than it was when we headed into the series. So you know, who knows? The the, the challenges over the next few weeks might be greater, and yeah, there might be a blip, and that 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 they'll have to work out what happens when, when it happens. But yeah, I mean, but overall, I think it's 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 been just kind of fantastic cricket, hasn't it? And you know, we we maybe slightly downplayed Broad's five hundred wickets just before, but you know, things like that, it has been a perfect distraction from everything else. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Maybe I should be a bit more uh, upbeat, yeah, bit, a bit more generous um, by the five hundred wicket thing because that's that's what I wanted. Yeah, uh, exactly. There's, there's thinking, been lots. I want to be able to talk about things like that. <laughs> well, oh. I want to be able to moan about stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, there's been the lots to enjoy, hasn't there? And uh, yeah, kind of all credit to to everyone involved, and as you said before, to the West Indies for making it happen. One very last, just stray observation. How good is Carlos Brathwaite on Test Match Special? He was excellent, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, like just one of the one of the highlights of the whole thing. I think. Yeah, Brathwaite will always obviously in English cricket kind of folklore will go down for that um, World T Twenty final performance. So it's, it's kind of it's, it's quite nice to yeah. I suppose it wasn't it was galling at the time, but it, it yeah it wasn't like sort of I don't know Ricky Ponting did it to England, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a nice kind of uh, it's nice that he's been welcomed into the fold. Did you see? It just made me think. Talking about Broad's five hundred wickets, did you see Yuvraj Singh tweeted out? <laughs> did you see this? No. <laughs> it just like the way he phrased it. It's just, it just a work of genius, really, because he said, "Look, I know that whenever anyone mentions Stuart Broad, whenever of you guys, latest followers, whenever you mention Stuart Broad to me, all you want to talk about is six sixes. But I say, forget about that. <laughs> he's a great bowler." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, 
how to talk about the six sixes <laughs> while at the same time. It's a Richard Keys esque <laughs> kind of yeah yeah it made me laugh um okay well so yes that series is done but don't be thinking tone that you're off the hook in terms of recording podcasts over the next few weeks because uh the cricket just doesn't stop at the moment another test series about to start pakistan are in the uk have been for quite some time and the test series uh, and their test series with england uh kicks off on thursday this coming thursday the what is that 5th of august 6th of august you tell me. In fact, does it even start on Thursday, or have I got that wrong? Well, Thursday is the sixth, so you've got that right. Genius. <laughs> yeah, you're doing well. I know. Uh, well, I know it's not even Thursday. Uh, Wednesday. It's Wednesday, the fifth of August, <laughs> is when it starts. So this is uh, this is going well. Need to get a calendar. So yeah, more uh, more Test cricket to look forward to. I, I I think in some ways it's not like in terms of how this is going to go on the field not necessarily entirely dissimilar to the framing of the West Indies series in that Pakistan are also uh, not to the same extent, but somewhat uh, lopsided, if you like, team in that, you know, they've got a very strong bowling attack, but potentially fragile batting lineup as well. But definitely a stronger batting lineup than West Indies have. Yes, you know, there, there may be some fragility kind of around these players, but in Azhar Ali the captain, Asad Shafiq and Baba Razam, they have got some real quality in the middle order. So, well, you're, you're a big Baba Razam fan. Tony, yeah, this isn't? could be an exciting series. And you mentioned, like, you know, the, the bowling attack that Pakistan potentially will field is 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 probably better than the West Indies bowling attack. Wow. I feel like every team we talk about, yeah. right, they've probably got the best bowling attack in the world. But it's a big shout, but it's uh, it's not necessarily I wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Um <laughs> No, I think, yeah, it could be exciting. It's not necessarily absolutely f***ing moronic. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere between right and wrong. Um, well, so who are we talking about? Mohamed Abbas? Yeah. Shahina Freedy, young uh, young Tyro. But yeah, Nazim Shah, the youngster. He took that brilliant hat-trick, didn't he? Can't remember who against. We're both lying down there, <laughs> lounging on an, one elbow. Um, but yeah, no, I think it'd be, um, it's, a, it's an exciting prospect for sure. Well, Mohamed Abbas in uh, in England two years ago was absolutely phenomenal. Or yeah, it was earlier in the summer, ball maybe swinging more than it might do uh, this week. But um, but he's he's a phenomenal cricketer with a phenomenal record. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an exciting prospect watching that bowling attack. And then you just feel, unlike Western Indies, that they've got the they have got the batting to back that up. Albeit, you know, England will feel if they get a couple of them out early that they're that they're well on top but I am looking forward to watching Baba Azam bat he's, he's just a really gorgeous player to watch must be one of the most sort of uh, aesthetically pleasing batsmen around at the moment I guess the only thing as we've said before the start of the West Indies series it's so, it's slightly hard to know what to expect from them in that they've not played any cricket at all for a long time England now you know with with uh, overs with, with games under their belt you know will certainly feel um, confident coming in but I think, yeah, it's a it's an exciting prospect. Yeah, perhaps we'll do our predictions after the first test. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, Tane. No, no, no. No, no I was going to ask you now for a prediction. Pakistan haven't lost a series in England for 10 years. Now, they've only played two series in that time, uh, in 2016, when it was a draw, and then two years ago, just a two-match series, also a draw. But yeah, they, they sort of emerged with a lot of credit from both of those. What do you think this time? Three tests? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 England. 
it's boring. Is that what you were going to go? Boring. <laughs> Do you know what? It's really difficult to predict a drawn test match these days, isn't it? Uh, because it almost never happens. But I might go one all. Uh, I'm backing the rain to come in at some point. Come on the rain. Um, maybe maybe we'll have a draw somewhere along the line. And yeah, I I I, I can I can see a I can see a drawn series. It's going to be good. All right. Well, that's probably your lot for the World Cricket Show this time. Have you enjoyed this one, Tone? On uh, very on pleasant. Bordeaux. Yeah, I've got a photo of you, which I need to get. I need to get a photo of you this yeah, time. Yeah, true. No, you don't get a photo of me. Do you want to do the? Do you want to do the plugs? Do you want to do the wrap up, and I'll get a photo of you. I can't remember. No, you do the plug <laughs> and take the photo. Go on then. Well, yeah, I'll get a little little snap of you for the old uh, social meet. I've got the uh, little retro camera. Ooh, what on earth is this? What is this app? You need to get the C in the background. Yeah. Right? Hang on. Well, I've got to take my headphones off. Oh. <laughs> Just getting, getting into position. Just getting comfortable there, are you saying? Yeah. Where are you going? Well, which way? I need to go like up here. Yeah, you need to get low. Yeah. Try not low to. Battery. Low power mode? No, just go for it. No. No low power. Just whiff it out. I don't know if this is the most flattering <laughs> angle. It's definitely not. Oh, and I'll try and I'll just try and look a bit more, a bit more smart casual. Real little photo shoot here. Right, come on, let's get this uh let's get this wrapped, otherwise I'll get in trouble. Yeah, let's wrap it up then. Well, yeah, it's been uh, another good one on the beach. Another beach next time? Yeah. What are we thinking next time? Beach tour continues. <laughs> Herm, I think next. Well, you said that last time. I mean, Herm looks pretty close right now, doesn't it? Maybe, uh, maybe we could commandeer a little skiff or something and record on the way over. Yeah, I'd like that. Um, maybe or, we do a wrap, the, wrap up of the summer in Herm. Actually, that's probably quite a good. That's, yeah, that's probably, that's probably quite a good shout. Pretty good shout for myself. <laughs> yeah, do it on the boat. Do you remember when we were in sight that time, and you got chatting to some guy uh, who told you that he had a boat and did little island tours or whatever. And uh, and you were like, oh, that sounds amazing. Could we go? Could we go tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, absolutely, free tomorrow. And you're like, brilliant. Yeah, we'll get get out on the boat, take some food, a few beers. And he went, there's no drinking on my boat. <laughs> you're like, all oh, right, yeah, really killed the buzz. There's so. absolutely no drinking on my boat, and we didn't go on the boat. Um, all right, Tone, uh, that's it. I think um, we'll be back next week to review the first Pakistan Test. But between now and then, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, get more involved. On our social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm sure you'll find us. You can send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And do leave us uh, a rating uh, and a review on, uh, you know, wherever you're listening to the podcast, because that does really help to bring new people to the show. I kind of, I've, I've sort of compressed the plugs a bit, Tony. Yeah, so, yeah, good. Speed it up. No one wants to hear me drone on and on about. Exactly. Just kept, just the, so the key now, facts. Write this down. Now, Instagram, it's at worldcricketshow. That's W-O-R-L-D. Just get it done. <laughs> get the plugs done this is really topical uh, topical satire of uh, get Brexit done yeah true do you remember Brexit those are the days <laughs> nostalgic <laughs> alright uh, well stay in school everyone stay safe wherever you are out there in the big wide world and we will be back soon cheers Tane cheers bye bye for now To smell your fear
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.